Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Something about worship. We are talking about this morning with a couple ministers. I love to praise them. I love to dance. I love to clap. That's my candy stick, Pastor. When I go into worship, it's just me and him. It's just him and me. Well, the foster, I take off all my titles. I, t- I just strip myself down in his presence. And I make myself vulnerable with him. There's no more compartments in here. It's just, I just open them all up. And it's just me and him because it's personal. And he makes it personal. This morning, I'm going to preach about a God who makes it personal. And it's personal. If you have your Bibles or your mobile device, thank you for all of our online viewers. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for everybody who's in person. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to stand behind the sacred desk this morning. But if you have your on your device or your Bible, turn to First Kings. First Kings nineteen. We're going to read four through seven. And with the help of the Lord, I will finish this message before it's dinner time. I believe the Lord has given me this. He's given me this about two years ago. It's been brewing and brewing. And then about six months ago, it started brewing up in my spirit again. And I believe it's time for the Lord to, to reveal this message that he's given me. To prick your hearts that you would draw closer to him. To encourage you today. That you serve a God that makes it personal. When you're going through all of Hades, it's only pastor can say hell in the pulpit. When you're going through all of Hades, he shows up. When you get the doctor's report, he shows up. And he makes it personal. See, because I'm going through some things too. And God said it's personal. So with his help, I'm going to make it through. I might cry a little bit. But I'm in the midst of my family, and it's okay to cry in front of family. Amen. First Kings 19, 4 through 7. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Have you guys ever had that moment? Hey, it's enough. Elijah was having that moment. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. 
And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down his head again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Amen. Why don't you put down your Bibles, your mobile device. If you're at home, tune everything else out. And ask the Lord that your, His Word would prick your heart. And that you would find that personal God that you need in your situation this morning. Lord, we love and we praise you. We thank you for your powerful presence already in this service, God. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy, God. We praise you for your love, God. We praise you for your embrace. Lord, we've worshipped you. We praise you. Now we're going to hear from your voice, God, through your anointed word. We ask that you anoint my lips as your servant today. Anoint this congregation's heart, whether they're viewing online or they're in person today, God. That you would prick their hearts, God, that they would draw closer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church said amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. It's personal. It's personal. Elijah, he just prayed fire from heaven. He just experienced a miracle from God. Just a few verses before chapter 19, we see Elijah basically mocking Ahab and, every, and everybody else's with the sacrifice. You can pray to your gods. Go ahead and pray to your gods and see what they do. Elijah was so, we'll say cocky for lack of better words, so cocky or arrogant in his spirit, or I'll say so convinced in his God, not only will my God consume the sacrifice, but we're going to dump water on it. We're going to dig a big old trench around it, fill the trench up, and he's going to bring fire from heaven and soak that up. That's how confident he was in his God. Just a few verses before chapter 19. Then we move up a few, and here he is fleeing to Beersheba. He took flight because of a hard-hearted queen because she said, hey, I'm going to kill this guy. He thought his life was over. He had lost all hope. He retreated to a position of dejection, of surrender because of his circumstances. He was allowing his situation to dictate his anointing. A great man of God. Just a few verses before, seeing the miracles of God, seeing the fire fall from heaven. He was in the anointing that morning, Brother John, feeling it. But Monday came. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But Monday was Monday morning at 9 a.m. showed up. And here he is, all the anointing that he had and all the confidence in his, his God. Now he's fleeing away because Jezebel wanted to kill him. 
He was allowing again his anointing and his, situ- his situation dictate his anointing. Elijah's eyes were fixed on the now. His now was blinding him from his victory tomorrow. Some of us are allowing our now to blind us from our victory tomorrow. Fear had gripped him to place to a place he just wanted to crawl up in a ball and die. But God. But God. We need to have a but God experience this morning. Amen. Have you ever had a but God experience this We got three or four. We've had a but God experience. Oh, the doctor said this, but God stepped in. The doctor said this, but God stepped in. The bank account said this, but God stepped in. My lost child was lost, and they said he'll never come back, but God stepped in. I'm talking about a God that makes it personal. I'm talking about a God that shows up right where we're at and meets every circumstance. Oh, come on. Come on, apostolics, Holy Ghost filled. We serve a God that knows exactly where we're at. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. You might think you're all alone, but he says, I'm right here. I've, I've been here all alone. You don't have to look any further. Amen, amen. If you need a but God experience this morning, you can have a but God experience. God stepped in. He showed himself. Elijah's gracious God did not lose sight of his fugitive servant, but he watched over him and miraculously started ministering to his wants. Great saints of God, precious first-time guests, online viewers, he knows where you're at. He feels your pain. He shows up in the suffering and loss. He's omnipresent. We serve an omnipresent God. The same God you're worshiping today is the same God in Great Britain and Ireland they're worshiping right now. And he's there too. He's an omnipresent God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. It's personal to him. The last 16 months may have been a rough year. But we're not curling under a tree and saying, God, we're just going to die. No, we're going to stand up in the presence of the king of kings, in the presence of the enemy, in the presence of the fires of the world. And we're saying, hey, no, I'm here with my God. That's all I need. All my friends may be gone. All my family may be gone. But I'm here. If it's just me and him, we're going to make it. I'm going to still worship him. I'm going to still praise him. I'm going to still sing my song. I'm going to still dance before him. Brother John, if it's me in my kitchen all by myself, we're going to have a little ditty all by ourselves. We're just being God. Because it's personal. I said it's personal. A few chapters before. Elijah and the widow, he goes, he meets her, and she's preparing a cake for her son. 
here it is. I don't know what about what the deal is with Elijah, but it's either him wanting to die or someone else wanting to die whenever he shows up. He shows up to her house. I'll save you time. You could read this in 1 Kings 17, 10 through 16 if you don't know the story. This widow woman, he says, hey, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. She says, all I have is enough, enough meal and oil to bake me a cake for me and my son, and we're going to die. She gathered two little sticks to make her fire because that's all she had enough meal and oil for was just a small fire. She says, hey, I just got a little bit. So what does Elijah say? Hey, go make your cake, get your, get your meal, get your oil, bring it back to me because I'm hungry. I don't know. Sister Wilford, as a mom, you know, I'm thinking, if some guy showed up at my house, I know I just have enough meal and enough oil for me and my kid. I'm already, I'm, hey, that's our last meal. Talk about the last supper. That, that's it. She was preparing her last supper. That's dinner for you non-Southern supper is, that's dinner. So, but that's all she had. And then she said, we're going to curl up underneath the couch and die because we don't have any more food. There's no one else to give us. But pastor, but God. The prophet came to their house. She says, hey, no, God sent me here. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you need. But you're going to take care of the ministry. You're going to take care of the church. You're going to keep giving to the church. You're going to keep doing your duty. Oh, I wish somebody understand what I'm talking about this morning. When things get tight, don't mean you quit paying your tithes. Don't mean you quit paying your offering. Don't mean you quit driving to the church to clean it because you don't have enough money to get the work Gas, gas to get to work tomorrow. No, I'm still driving across town to clean the church because I, I serve a God who makes it personal. He'll meet my need. And at the end of that verse, she had enough oil, she had enough meal to take for years. That's because it's personal. It's personal. He'll send the preacher at the perfect time. He's not going to allow you to crawl up in a ball and die. He knows exactly where you're at. The enemy may have you thinking you're left for dead. But God says, no, it's personal. I'm bringing life. Not only am I bringing life, I'm bringing you abundant life. Because it's personal. The psalmist writes in Psalms 23, 1 through 6. We just sang it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Woo! Somebody needs to grab a hold of that. Thou preparest me a table in front of my, oh, in the middle of my enemies. He's feeding me blessings. In the middle of my enemy. He's still blessing me. 
This isn't a rag of surrender. This is victory. Oh, when the enemy thought they had me for, for dead. No. He's preparing a table in the midst of my enemies. He's preparing a table for his children. He's preparing you. He's blessing you. He's just dumping blessings on you. Oh, he's, he's giving you strength. Strength that you never thought you ever have. You're going through situations you thought you'd never have to go through. But God says, hey, I'm preparing you. I'm still feeding you. I'm still blessing you. Oh, the rivers of living water are still flowing over you. My anointing oils are still covering you. Because it's personal. It's personal. That's the God we serve. He keeps going on. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely. Somebody say surely. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whoo! I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's no situation. There's not enough devils in hell to keep me from dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Because it's personal. He's got a covenant with me, and I've got a covenant with him. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why could the psalmist feel this way? Because it was personal to him. Because he was on the backside of the pasture, tending to the sheep. When Saul came up, says to his dad, let me see all your boys. He brought them all out there. He didn't bring David. You don't want that ruddy, red-headed. All he's good for is tending the sheep on the backside of the pasture. No, I want to see all your boys. David, David was used to rejection. Even his own daddy rejected him. David had victory over the lion and the bear and the giant. But then David was a deceiver to his own soldier and taking his wife. Then had him murdered in front, on the front lines. That's why David could write the 23rd Psalms. Because he knows a God that made it personal. Because he says, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Because when mercy should have said, hey, you took another man's wife and you had him killed, you should be stoned to death. Oh, but, but God. But God said, no, it's personal. And mercy steps in. That's why when the enemy tries to start messing with your mind about your past... Oh, I go to the scripture. I go to the word. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all my days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, your past. We have victory over your past. Because it's personal. 
He's covered your past. When the enemy tries to bring it up, says, no, it's been covered. Because I serve a God that makes it personal. That's why the psalmist could write the scriptures. Because it was personal. And friend, it's personal with you and I and God. I'm not talking about accepting the Lord as your personal Savior today. I don't want to break anybody's theology up, but that's not the word. But you do serve a personal God that says, hey, I will cover your sins. I will bury your sins. And I'm going to make it so personal, my spirit will be inside of you. So you have victory. And I'm going to give you power. And we sing it all the time. You, you, you jam out to it in your cars or your vehicles all the time. That same spirit that rose up on the third day lives inside of me. Because I have power. Because he makes it personal. I need, are the Turner boys in here? Matthew, Elijah, and Matt. You guys in here, come on up. I need, I need to borrow three brothers. I need to borrow three brothers. Come on up. Uh, yep, I see them. Here they come. Come on up. We're doing all kind of impromptu stuff today. You guys hang out right here in a circle. Just, just huddle, just get in a circle, huddle up. Huddle up in a circle right behind me. We're going to give a couple more illustrations of how God makes it personal. See, they're, they're having flashbacks whenever they're real small and they acted up and after their mama whooped them. Then they had to stand in the corner and hug each other. Did y'all ever have to do that? I, I, I had to do that. So have you guys ever had to do that? Yeah? Show, show them what y'all had to do. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So, so, so the three Hebrew children, I'm going to tell you how God made it personal. In the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar. He says, boys, you're going to bow to my gods. Every time you hear the sound, you're going to bow to our gods. Sound good? No, it doesn't sound good, Elijah. Say no, no. Sister Amber, he needs to go back to true kids. No. But the king says, you're going to bow to my gods. But three young men who were confident in their faith, who were confident in their God, says, oh, king, I'm not bowing. They said, well, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace if you don't bow. And the three boys says, oh, king, we're not bowing. We serve a God. Whether we live, whether we die, we will not bow. Our God will take care of us because it's personal. So what we have... 
three boys, and now the king is a little perturbed. We'll use pastor's vernacular, ticked off. And a little embarrassed, a little embarrassed, he says, the boys aren't going to bow. Bring up the fire. So he throws them in the fiery furnace. Guys, get in a big circle. Hold your hands out. Get in a circle. A big circle. A big circle. Yeah, where everybody can see it. Yeah, just like that. They throw them in the fire. And the king looks around. But he didn't see three Hebrew boys. There was a fourth one in the fire. And they were they were dancing around. Oh, my God is good. My God is good. He's taking care of me because it's personal. Because it's personal. Even when the enemy says, hey, you want death? King, whether it's I die or whether it's I live, I will not bow because my God's going to take care of me. To quote the, the, the apostle, to live is Christ, but to, and to die is gain. Either way, we win, church, because it's personal. I said it's personal. And because those three Hebrew boys, they weren't going to bow to being relevant to their world. Oh, the, even the king says you're going to be rel relevant. And worship our golds, statues, and our gold gods, and this God that, and this God that. And because of those three Hebrew boys stepping up, says, hey, I'm not buying into being relevant. And allowing their God to show up. They had a revival of revelation. You want a revival of revelation? Brother Foster, we want a revival of revelation. True Vine, we want a revival of revelation. Quit trying to be relevant to this world. We'll see a revival of revelation if we quit trying to be relevant to the world. That's why, they, that's why half a dozen to a dozen first-time guests come through our doors. If you're a first-time guest, we say thank you for coming. They're looking for something different. You're looking for something different this morning. You're looking for something that you've never experienced before. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in such a powerful way and ministering to you in such a personal experience. And because of those three Hebrew boys saying, hey, I'm not bowing to relevance. Listen to what the king said. Therefore, you can read this in Daniel 3 and 28. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. 
He, because they didn't bow to relevance, they had a revival in that land of revelation. The king's even declaring, this is a decree. There's no other God like their God. Because there's only one true and living God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There is but one God that brings salvation. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the powerful name of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's all through Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, because it's personal. It's personal. When life looks its best, he's there. When life looks its worst, he's there. And he's looking for a church that says, Lord, have your way in me. When something's personal, you make it, you make yourself vulnerable. You put yourself out there and you... You step out in faith and, and you get out of your comfort zone. Have you ever had someone come up and say, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about something personal. That person stepping out, making themselves vulnerable. They're, they're taking all those boxes that they compartmentalized and they're opening them all up. And they're opening themselves up. That's what God's asking you to do today. He's saying you've been compartmentalizing your life for too long. You throw all those boxes away. Just have one box. That's Jesus Christ. Because it's personal. He's everything you need. He'll fill all those voids. He'll fill all that. All the, were you taking all those boxes away? You just have one box. He'll fill that. He's big enough to do that. As I started, I said... Hey, I'm going through some stuff too. Can I tell you something personal? My wife's having two procedures this week. One tomorrow, one Friday. It's been rough. It's been very rough. But you know what? He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'll fear no evil. Because I know and I serve a God that shows up. Because he makes it personal. And even though I'm going through some things. It doesn't change my relationship with him. I still have my time with him. I still have my commitment to him. Back in 19, early 90s, we had this family called the Crab Family come to our church. You ever heard of the Crab family? Southern Gospel. If 
you don't like Southern Gospel, that's okay. I'm sorry. But, but I've been a fan of them ever since they came to our church. And Jason Crabb just put a song out called Sometimes I Cry. And I thought it was very fitting. I wish I could sing because I'd sing it for you, but you don't want me to do that. So I'm just going to read the lyrics of it. It says, because this is, this is me right now. I looked apart, blend in with the rest of the church crowd. I know the routine. I can list all the Bible studies in town. Watch Christian TV. Know all the preachers and their cliches. I've been born again, and without a doubt, I know I'm saved. But sometimes I hurt. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I can't get it right. No matter how hard I seem to try. Sometimes I fall down. Sometimes I stumble in my own disguise. I try to look strong as the whole world looks on. But sometimes alone I cry. I try to speak faith. Never give that old devil not even an inch to get in. I do worship and praise and let everybody know just where that I stand. I know my God is good all the time. Yes, there's no doubt for me, but sometimes I hurt and sometimes I cry. See, church, life happens. And I know we just went from 100 miles an hour down to I don't even know how we're not stopping, but we're still going. But God is pricking your heart because you're in the same predicament. And I'm okay with it. Because I knew the Lord revealed exactly how this would end. Because He wants you to know you're not all by yourself. And everybody around you. They're stumbling in their own disguise. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. I put my smile on. I put my L.A. looks gel in my hair this morning. Put my socks on to match my shirt. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I'm struggling and, but I know a God that makes it personal. He shows up. Am I discouraged? No. Because I know the God that I serve. He shows up right on time. All the time. Right on time. And it's personal. But I promise you, you're not going to see me under a juniper tree crawled up and ready to die. Because it's personal. Because if nobody else is praying, what does the Apostle Paul say in Romans? God's making intercession for you. That's how personal it is. Well, the foster, 
If we shut down on Friday night and say, hey, we're not coming back to prayer, it should not matter to any of you. We're not going to do that. So if you're online watching, if that's all you caught, turn, come back around. We're not going to do that. But if we did, God's making intercession for me. Thank God of the 20, 25 folks that show up every Friday night that intercede for us. But God says it's personal. I'm even going to make intercession for you. And because of that, because of that personal relationship that I have with him, the verses keep going on in Romans. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long and are accounted as sheep as a slaughter. Nay, in all things we, more, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Because it's personal. It's personal. And as I wrap up this morning, And I go back to an old song Grandma used to sing. He walks with me. And he talks with me. But this is the part she used to sing that I'll forever treasure. And he knows me by name. Because it's personal. It's personal. And over 2,000 years ago, he made it personal. I'm going to ask you to stand. But no one, if we could just have piano for a little bit. Calvary made it personal. When that veil on the temple was rent in twain, he said, no longer do you have to have the high priest come in. But I'm giving you complete access because it's personal. In church, I know over the last 16 months of COVID, a lot of things have happened. But I do know this. I believe God has revealed this to me. That some of you are blaming COVID because it's not personal anymore. See, it's a big difference, as I was saying earlier, in praise and worship and dancing around. And in worship. Worship is an intimacy. It's where it's just you and him alone. Some of you have lost and forgot that intimacy between you and God. So it's not as personal as it used to be. But once again, once again, God has sent the preacher. It says, hey, no matter what you're going through, 
no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what the report says, no matter what the world says, you serve a God that says, hey, it's personal. I'm going to show up right where you're at, and everything's going to be all right. Raise your hands all across the sanctuary. If you're at home, if you're at the park walking, just stop where you're at and raise your hands and start worshiping your God. God, we thank you for your word. God, I'd ask right now, God, that your spirit would fall without any music, without any singers, just your spirit moving across this sanctuary and the households online. Your spirit ringing in their ears. And it's just you and them. Come on, church. Come on, church. Start worshiping your God. It's just you and him this morning. He showed up. He showed up right in the middle of the fire. He showed up right in the middle of the circumstance. He found you under the juniper tree this morning. Because it's personal. If you'd, if you'd like to step out of your chairs and come down front, that's okay too. We have some dots here. Feel free to come on. But this is your time. This is your time. Just you and Him. It's just you and Him showing up right in the middle of all the chaos. He's showing up. When you fill out your loneliness, He shows up. When you feel like, hey, I've done so much in my past, there's no way he's going to show up. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is your, this is your commitment with him today. Lord, we worship you this morning. Lord, have your way in us today. God, I know I've been boxing you out, God, but I know I've been allowing all the circumstances and the situations and the, the chaos and the noise of life overwhelm my relationship with you. But I know you are a God that makes it personal and you are stepping into where I'm at right now. Oh, Oh, let the Lord embrace you this morning. Let him embrace you this morning with his heavenly embrace. Let him overwhelm you today. You serve a God that makes it personal today. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. 
You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.